This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. Every time you look at the telly in the second half, Liverpool score a goal, a six-minute hat-trick for Salah. Are they back? And do we need to start an inquisition on the Scottish performance in the Champions League? Or are you less likely to win if you aren't tested every week, have players that cost less and a smaller wage bill? What a game at the new Camp Barca 3 into 3. The Italians virtually guaranteeing their spot in the knockouts at their host's expense. Not sure this was in Barca's spend, spend, spend policy. Glorious counter-attacking, hopeless defending. Lewandowski dragging Xavi's side back in it. Well done, everyone. Spurs, Spurs their way past Frankfurt. Napoli are still great. Bruges continues to surprise. And VAR has an excellent night. Also, dressing room rebel songs and Sky Sports determination for education. Some big news from the butter world and inquiries pour in for Barry's boarding house for disgraced gentlemen. All that plus your questions. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendening. <laughs> Grinning Barry, how are you? I'm looking forward to that bit about my boarding house for disgraced gentlemen I'm, i may have oversold it and we've got a lot of applications <laughs> they've been they're flooding in you need to be on booking.com straight away uh, mark langdon from the racing post hello oh hi max i'm also excited about the news from the the, the world of butter um yeah i know yeah be breaking news well we'll race through the football and get to what everyone cares about uh, jonathan Traduba, hello good morning uh, good morning. Right, let's start then at Ibrox. Simon says, do you remember when Rangers were 1-0 up? It's quite a good question, isn't it? Uh, Barry, I asked on the television how big the Liverpool crisis would be if they didn't beat Rangers. They then subsequently beat Rangers. And how, Max, and how? Um, I actually thought Rangers might win this game. <laughs> and then they went 1-0 up and I thought, hmm, they might win this game. They're, they're, they're a goal up. Liverpool are playing pretty poorly as as they have done throughout the season and then the second half started and it, it all went wrong <laughs> Liverpool even an off colour Liverpool are better than Rangers at their best you would think uh, and they, they embarrassed them at Ibrox I think it's a record defeat for Rangers at Ibrox and uh, it's difficult to know what to say really without being patronising towards Rangers. But they, yeah, they, they were blown away. The defending was poor. They should have done better. They, some of the goals could have been avoided. 
but it's it's a nice tonic and fill up for Liverpool before this big game they have at the weekend against Manchester City. Oh yeah, Josh says was that the spark Diddy Haman was looking for to finally kickstart Liverpool's season? Does anyone dare ask Klopp? Yeah, go and Klopp. Jonathan getting a bit sort of sniffy. I mean, I don't know why he pays any attention to, to anyone talking about uh, his side. But I, I guess, how much do you read into this result? Because they did hammer Bournemouth 9-0. And then we thought, well, this is it. They're off and away. And they weren't. And you could you could potentially say the same for this one. Yeah, I don't know how much you can read into uh, into the sort of salty comments because he, he tends to have, have uh, something to say a bit like that every kind of other week, uh, even when they were really good. Like he used to get a bit spiky at kind of yeah, that's questions that he didn't like. I mean, I saw someone suggest that like maybe he put Didi Haman's comments, you know, in the Ibrox dressing room, pinned them to the wall or whatever and said, go out there and, you know, go out there and batter them 7-1 or something, which, you know, I think that's taken his levels of management to to kind of like imaginary levels. But clearly, like, obviously it had maybe some impact in terms of just when they were, when they were winning by two or three, obviously Bingham on Salah, uh, and you know Salah getting the hat trick. I think I think he kind of they did go for it when the game was already won, if that made sense. So is that, it will have a good impact for them. It's a bit like the Bournemouth game, isn't it, with Scott Parker's cardigan? Um, it was maybe it's kind of you don't know. Everyone thought that you know that nine nil victory would take them on and they'd go on from there. Um, obviously, the game this weekend, Manchester City, we're going to learn a lot more about Liverpool than maybe in in, in this match. It was quite impressive the way they dealt with um, the injuries they had. Uh, I thought Joe Gomez, for example. Uh, we look quite good and, and 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 sort of showed that he can maybe stand in for for Trent, uh, put in a lovely cross uh, for Firmino um, at one point. So I, I guess there's some encouraging signs that maybe the squad can handle it. But to be honest, I thought Rangers were, especially after they had a couple of injuries. You know, they had a few a few injuries that kind of changed the, the, the course of the match. I think I thought, and after that they kind of just fell apart. And I felt like they just couldn't really handle you know that intensity. And once Liverpool brought on Salah, it was kind of three six minute hat trick, wasn't it? Game over. Uh, yeah, Duncan Alexander's statistic. Salah's hat-trick took five seconds less than Tiny Dancer by Elton John. <laughs> so you could just press play on Tiny Dancer. It's a great song, isn't it? And they just wait for the Salah hat-trick to happen. I, in many ways, Mark, after the game and just listening to listening to the radio and listening to uh, Rangers, you know, people who know about Rangers saying, actually, Van Bronckhorst is under pressure. My first reading of this is, look, you can't really compare these two sides. So I was quite surprised to hear that actually this is this is being actually viewed much more sort of poorly by Rangers fans than I would perhaps expect. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's there's probably a, a couple of bits too. Obviously, they were hammered in the old firm as well recently, um, and you know that couldn't have gone down well. The performance in that game just w- wasn't good enough. And you know, there are, uh, you know, even if you have got as Rangers have a championship budget in the Champions League, um, you can still, I think, compete. Um, a little bit better maybe um, than what they have. You, you see like Pilsen losing to Bayern Munich. It was 4-0 at one stage, but they actually show um, some pride, get it back to 4-2 and you can actually come out of there and feel like it's been um, a, a good 90 minutes. And act, you look around sort of this Champions League, there's been a lot of upsets. Um, in, in not, mm. all, not all of the favourites are running away um, with matches maybe like we would have expected in the past. And so I still feel like Rangers should be able to compete better at home than to, to be absolutely humiliated like that um, in, in the last half an hour. I do. Um, Jonathan mentioned the injuries. I think Goldson um, going off, um, you know, that brought on Leon King, 18-year-old. I mean, that's that's a difficult environment, I think, for, for somebody that inexperienced against the Liverpool team. Uh, you will see, I think, 
some Premier League teams will get onto Tottenham, maybe just taking their foot off the gas a little bit. But what I, I, Liverpool felt like, and Klopp felt like, they actually wanted to keep going to try to build up confidence. But I'm not that surprised that Van Bronckhorst is under pressure because it might have more to do with some of those um, domestic results, particularly the Celtic one, than you know combined with what's happened um, in the Champions League. Joe Kim says, "Have you ever seen a more adorable image?" And Salah and Elliot waiting for VAR <laughs> to tell the world that the latter had scored his first Champions League goal like a proud dad at his son's first school play. Amazing. That is that interesting thing about VAR, Barry, that it does, however annoying it can be, it also has these really quite nice moments. Yeah, I mean, it was a lovely image, Salah with his arms around, you know, standing behind Elliot with his arms around him and Elliot beaming with his his fingers crossed, you know, <laughs> because the the goal didn't mean much to Liverpool, but it clearly meant an awful lot to him. His his first Champions League goal, and he was absolutely thrilled to bits when it was allowed, and his celebration was was one of the nicer moments of the evening. I wouldn't have VAR just for the sake of that, though. <laughs> I'd still <laughs> bin it off. Jonathan, do we? Do we how how much of an inquisition do we need into the Scottish performance in the Champions League? I mean, is, do you view Celtic and Rangers as very different? Neither of them particularly well. Celtic are trying to play a bit more expansive football, and have had moments in games that Rangers haven't necessarily. And Celtic are better than Rangers. But, you know, do we have to open up some debate by going where would they be in the English pyramid? Would they be in even be in League One, or should we just sort of let it? Just let it play out. I think you've got to let it play out. I guess the issue for Celtic and Rangers is, is perhaps the the level of the other teams in the league means that they're just not they're not used to that kind of competition. You you get that with PSG, don't you? Kind of everyone says that they league is a farmers league and they can't handle when they get to the latter stages of the Champions League because it's too too high a level. Which I'm not sure I agree with in terms of league. I think the level is obviously higher than, than Scotland. And I think that that kind of reflects it with Rangers and Celtic. They have they haven't actually done too badly in certain games. You know they've 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 stuck in some games, but I think with Rangers they've come up against the Napoli side who uh, have been outstanding this season. I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about them, but they've been incredible. Of course, um, obviously Ajax is a tough game, and and then Liverpool, um, Celtic. You know they've had they've had Real Madrid to deal with. So and there's been certain games, for example, like uh, there's been a couple of games in Celtic's group where they have sort of hung in there and then let the game slip, you know, kind of late on uh, and things like that. So or, or fallen asleep with a bit a few defensive moments. So I don't think you need like some massive inquest, but I suppose if you're thinking can can they ever really challenge in in the Champions League, it's it's difficult for them, isn't it? It's it's, it's always going to be tough. Thank you for things that annoy me. Who pointed me in the direction of Alan Hutton's combined Liverpool and Rangers eleven, which included one, two, three, four, five, six. No, five Rangers players, which is very <laughs> impressive. Uh, Alan McGregor in in front of uh, in, in front of Allison, uh, the fullbacks, the Rangers fullbacks. There's uh, a blow for Trent, another blow for Trent. Morelos and Cholak up front. So like Salah's been put out to the right wing. There's no place for Firmino or, or Nunes, um, uh, but you know Tiago and Jordan Henderson get in. So well done, Alan, for taking it seriously. I think a lot of Rangers fans think. James Tavernier would slot into most Premier League teams. And I personally think there's a, re a reason why he's been at Rangers as long as he has. And we saw that at times last night. But he's a decent player, but I, I don't think he's, uh, you know, he might, might be mid to bottom end Premier League level. 
I, I think as well that when you have success, um, the relative success like Rangers did last season with the, that run to the Europa League final, that then draws um, you, uh, uh, sort of the bigger clubs um, to your players. And I saw um, in the Napoli Ajax game, uh, Bassi involved in one of um, the, the, the goals that the Ajax scored, and the fact that Ajax think that you know that there's a defender there at Rangers that's good enough to play for them. You know, I think probably. Uh, doesn't do Rangers any favours. It certainly helps from a financial point of view, but yeah, replacing players of that quality is just not an easy task, is it? Particularly in the short term. I think you know, if you've got a long-term plan, maybe you lose that player, you develop somebody, and then over 18 months to two years, they get somebody um, in that, that can be at that level. But um, yeah, it, it's difficult when, when you are losing your best players as well. I think that is a bit of a hospital pass for poor old Alan Hutton anyway. <laughs> Here, Alan, <laughs> yeah. this is what we'd like you to do. It's like, all oh, right. You're, you're obviously, right. it's going to be 11 Liverpool players, but he can't do that. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Um, you mentioned that uh, Napoli Ajax game, um, and, and they won four two. Um, they've also got the Georgian Messi, Faradona, Jonathan, and they're they're just a total joy at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I think I don't think Frank Zambo and Guisa would have been in many uh, people's Ballon d'Or contenders at the start of this year, <laughs> to be honest. But the way he's played, although he got he went off uh, injured yesterday, well, unfortunately, but. The way he's played, obviously, as he said, Quaradona, French failure, it's been unbelievable uh, find. He, he looks amazing. Um, Victor Osserman, and when he's not there, Rispadori comes in and, and, and scores goals. Like, there's something going on at Napoli for sure. Like, they've been one of the best teams to watch in Europe, I, I think. You know, obviously battered Liverpool, battered Ajax, uh, put 10 goals past them in two games at Ajax. So, yeah, they, they look really good. I, I, I mean, Spalletti obviously has come in and... and he had that really good Roma team as well, didn't he? With kind of Totti and and like the the no the sort of false nine many years ago. I think that was his team, and he seems to be doing something really good with Napoli because there's a real like atmosphere and a vibe there where they just look like they can take anybody on. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna take some stopping. I think they are. They're not gonna probably win it, but I think they could be a dark horse to go quite far in 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 the in the, in the competition. And that's the interesting question, Mark, isn't it? Is it's, is can they sustain this both in Serie A and in the Champions League? Yeah, I mean, they've had issues um, in the past sustaining it. Even last season, they played well. Maybe not as well as what they have done um, in this season, but they played well um, last season for the first half of the campaign. And then it went a little bit wrong. I think this has really just surprised everybody, though, because when they lost Koulibaly and they lost Insigne and then Fabian Ruiz went to Paris Saint-Germain, that's a lot to take out of a team, you know, in quality and experience. And actually, um, you know, they've improved, which... which doesn't really feel like it should be possible, but it, it's been a. I think a, what you're seeing from Spalletti, the coach, is um, absolute joy. You know, this is how I like to watch football. Um, they are playing on the front foot wherever um, they go. I'd like to have seen seen them play Liverpool with something um, you know really big on the line at Anfield. Um, you know, just to see how they maybe cope with that because a few years ago, you know, they, they lost a really close game. Uh, Anfield in similar situation but uh, we'll, we'll see it in, in the knockout stages what, what I do think though about the Champions League is that you know, it can be a completely different competition in February and March when it gets serious teams like at the moment Liverpool despite that win last night are not in a great place but yet in February or March time they might be back to the levels that they were producing under clock previously and you know it's really difficult I think to say Right, well, this Napoli team are going to be dangerous in the knockout stages because 
got a World Cup to come um, in between as well. So absolutely no idea if it will be um, sustainable. I think just enjoy it um, you know, while, while it's lasting. I do think, though, actually, this game, the 4-2, felt a little bit harsh to me on, on Ajax. I'm not... You know, they, they were 2-0 down in the blink of an eye, but I don't actually feel like... Um, the, the golf was was quite as wide as what it was. So I certainly looked in Amsterdam the, the, the week previous. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how acts go in the in the, the Europa League. Presuming that's where they end up. A parental advisory. Uh, a question from Graham, who says, if that Ajax handball is a handball, it honestly just incensed me. And if that Gabrielle one is not a handball, yet that Rashford one is a handball and the Antonia one is not a handball, then how the fuck is Robbie Savage meant to keep up? <laughs> it's quite a fair question. Um, uh, anyway, Napoli then are through. Liverpool nine points, pretty much through. Ajax have three points. Rangers have nothing. Let's go to the Camp Nou game of the night. Barcelona three into three. Barry, this was just... The second half was just brilliant. Absolutely outstanding. Tremendous fun. Wonderful game of football. Great advert for the group stages. I'm a bit ho-hum about them. You know, Manchester City have three dead rubbers ahoy. So that that's a kind of bit of a drag. But um, this was brilliant. Just absolutely chaotic. Uh, chances missed. Chances scored. Mistakes made. Big players stepping up, big players making almost catastrophic errors. <laughs> Hello, Sergio <laughs> Busquets. Hello, Gerard Piquet. <laughs> uh, went right to the wire and poor game management from Barcelona, I think, means that they're almost certainly going to go out and drop into the Europa League for the second season in succession. It, it'll cost them quite a lot of money money they can ill afford to lose so yeah it could have wide-ranging consequences for barcelona and he says how big is the lever uefa have to pull to open the europa league trap door for barcelona but inter jonathan were were so dangerous on the break in this game i don't watch all their Serie A games but they've lost four games they're seventh they're off the pace but they they sort of played barcelona brilliantly i thought yeah this game featured probably the most annoyed i've ever been at a, at a match that didn't really it, like didn't really have any like impact on me as a supporter or anything like that with the, the the pass at the end the shot at the end that should have been a pass I don't think I've yeah. ever been so angry <laughs> at, at a moment in football I just couldn't believe it and, you don't uh, seem an angry you don't seem an angry man at all John I can't oh, imagine you, you that, being angry. that is no I don't you know it, it kind of rattled me to be honest like I like the more I watched it the more <laughs> the more the sort of fumes <laughs> came out of my ears if you know what I mean like how can you not pass it there like it was such a well worked move. To knock Barca out in the last minute, um, I think it was Aslani, and somehow he tries to take the glory and score when it's literally like one pass and it's a tap in uh, unmarked. If you, if you if you see it, if you see the replay, it's just like it gets more and more annoying every time you watch it. But uh, all the funny part was all his teammates just like pointing at him, like you know, kind of like the I think there's a like LeBron James meme like, where they're just like, how can you not pass that? So yeah, that was like just capped off the moment. It was really it was a, it was like like Barry says it was a brilliant game to watch. Barca, I don't know if they'll be able to get out of this now. You know, it's obviously I think Inter just need to beat Pilsner, I believe, uh, or not drop points to one or the other. I think Barcelona have to win their last two games and hope Inter don't win either of theirs. It feels like Barcelona kind of they've had a bit of a heel turn, haven't they? Like a wrestling kind of heel turn with all the levers and. Goldman Sachs bailing them out or whoever, you know, whichever bank they, they need to sort of bail them out because it, it seemed like the reaction, for example, on Twitter yesterday, like a lot of people were quite happy that they 
were on the brink of going out. So it's been an interesting kind of arc for Barcelona from sort of like heroes to to villains, I think. I don't know if anyone else feels that way or has noticed that. But Are we the baddies? Yeah, <laughs> are we the baddies? I mean, actually, Mark, I think for the perfect football match, I wanted Lewandowski to score again and get a hat-trick, especially because the entire inter-squad and basically anyone who's been to Milan seemed to be celebrating on the pitch when they went 3-2 up. Max, I um, I, I wasn't sure whether the referee was able to book every single inter-player that, that <laughs> arrived on the pitch, um, all, all of those substitutes. I did... Um, Try to check the laws on 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 that situation, and it it's a bit ambiguous as are some of the laws, which is maybe why we do um, lack for consistency. I ended up on a website, ended up going right round in circles on refchat.co.uk. Um, oh, good. Yeah, so um, they, they were discussing um, substitutes entering the pitch, and you, you can book them for unsporting behaviour um, if you if you so wish. So um, I would have loved to have seen sort of 15 yellow cards sort of dished out <laughs> yeah. for all of those and if he'd, if he'd lined them up as well, <laughs> if he'd put them in a line and just gone one down, all the way down the line, that would have been so good. And not, if he would have added on sort of 30 seconds for every one, we could have had another maybe sort of five <laughs> or six minutes of this incredible football match. I think from Barcelona's point of view, obviously really disappointing the defensive injuries, Arejo, there was no Christensen and Kunde, I think did play a part because in the fullback positions, I don't think they're great anyway. And then, um, you know, at centre half, I mean, PK's error for that crucial first goal, um, you know, was, was pretty laughable, really. It's great. It's it great. great. Yeah. <laughs> Holding your hands up to go, you can have it, keeper, and a bloke standing behind you is, I mean, it's just so Sunday league. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I mean, He's also a couple of yards behind the rest of his defensive line. It's a, it's a complete mess from from PK. Um, I thought Barcelona, actually, up until that point, I felt like they were probably sort of you know going to get the second goal. It, I know everybody thinks that Inter are through, but the only people that probably won't think that are the Inter supporters because um, if, if in terms of sort of Italian teams, I suppose if anyone's going to mess it up from um, this kind of position in the Champions League, it would be Inter. They've they, they've sort of failed to qualify from some pretty comfortable um, situations in the past. This would trump what happened against Shakhtar and against PSV for sure. But until they've actually done it, um, you know, they, they maybe shouldn't be celebrating quite as much as they were. So, yeah, Barca pretty much out. Uh, Bayern have won this group. Uh, they won 4-2 against Victoria Pilsen. Mark, you mentioned that comeback from Pilsen. It was quite exciting. In fact, all the goals in this game were great. You know, the Bayern attack with... You sort of think... But Barry, if if Gerard Piquet's stepping up and holding his hands up when Bayern play Barcelona, Barcelona might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose one thing I took from this game is that Sadio Mane, who's had a, a sort of rough start to life at Bayern, seemed to have a really good game. Um, I must confess, I've only seen highlights. But uh, are are Bayern among the favourites to to win this? They're they're doing badly at home. Uh, in the domestic front, but I, I one presumes they will be in the shake-up come the, the business end of this tournament. I think from the attacking point of view, when Nagelsmann's football works, it works you know beautifully, and uh, we saw that with some of their goals. It's just defensively, and even on the weekend when they conceded in the last seconds to Dortmund, you know, I, I find it very difficult to believe a team... That, that so frequently concede sort of two goals in a game, uh, and even when they're sort of look um, like they're dominating, still find ways to, to sort of give a, opponents chances. 
I, you know, I think that's difficult to be able to win, you know, three high-level matches like they'll need to do in, in the knockout stages. Just one slight tactical change, I think, for Mane with him just moving. Seems like he's playing more out on the left, um, maybe. When he first came in, it was very much down the middle. They were trying to do the 4-2-2-2 formation. It looks like they, they're just moving Mane out more from the left and he see, seems more comfortable in that position, I think. Any strong feelings from you, Jonathan? Did any part of this game uh, make you quick to anger or did you remain calm? No, I was quite relaxed, quite relaxed for this match. Uh, it was it was a bit of a cruise for, for Bayern, really. Pil- Pilsen did well in the second half to to come back, get some goals, get the crowd up again. But um, the, the difference in quality was was high. And it's nice to see Mane. You know, I'd like to see Bayern Liverpool in, in the next round, maybe. I think that could be an interesting one for Mane. Um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing riled me. Marvellous. That's good to know. Uh, that'll do for part one. Part two, <laughs> we'll begin at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. We've got a live show on the 17th of November uh, from Earth in Hackney. Um, Me, Barry, Lars, Ellis, James... Um, you can get tickets at theguardian.com slash Guardian Live. It isn't the biggest theatre in the world, so hopefully we'll sell out quickly. Uh, but we are live streaming it, so wherever you are on Earth, uh, we would like, if you're not at Earth, you're just on Earth, you could still come. And we would love as many people from around the world to watch it live. And if you can't watch it live, you can watch it on Catch Up. And we're working out an extraordinary finale, um, which, if it does work, will actually be quite funny. I think. Uh, let's um, let's go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Spurs 3, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. Uh, Mark, do you want to talk about Hyungmin min Son's volley? I mean, that is perhaps the kick of the evening for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good good description of it there, the, the kick. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those where you kind of let out an involuntary noise when it goes in, because it's just that even when you're watching it on TV, it's just like, whoa, like it, it was a um, fantastic strike. Um, you know, Absolutely met it as perfectly as he could. Um, I think had that been at nil-nil, I'm not sure he would have hit it so cleanly because his confidence, I think, had, had just you know was up. He just scored that that first goal, taken some of the pressure off him. He he feels he's been sort of really looking quite miserable um, for for large parts of this season. Even uh, you know that hat trick he got against Leicester. I mean, there's like an asterisk next to that because it was against Danny Ward, who's having an absolute nightmare in the um, Leicester goal. This was uh, was much more like um, I think the song that the people had come to expect of the last few years. He didn't have a great start. First sort of ten minutes, he was 
um, you know, dribbling to the opposition like he has done for much of this campaign. But once he got that first goal, I think you could see um, the, the relief around the stadium and from him. And the, yeah, that volley um, is absolutely beautiful. And you're just still not sure what footed he actually is because I, I think he could have done that off either foot. I agree. Joe says, if Tottenham start playing well and winning, will that also irritate the fan base? Um, it was not quite Conte Spursy, Jonathan, wasn't it? Started badly, brilliant in moments, made it difficult for themselves. Yeah, Conte wasn't too happy himself after the game. He, he described it as a strange result um, and sort of said a lot about how they need to improve. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's not he's not satisfied with what he's he's seen. And even when they sort of look comfortable, they, they still gave it away in, in terms of, you know, missing the penalty, um, letting Frankfurt get a, a goal back. And, 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 you know, even with 10 men, it wasn't kind of a done a done match, if that makes sense. I thought that uh, Frankfurt, there were some interesting comments from their their captain, Sebastian Roder. He said that they couldn't deal with the midfield. Like they they, they couldn't handle the, the gaps between midfield and defence. Like they wanted to, they, he basically said they wanted to press high, but then it was leaving too much space in behind. So you've got this image in your head of like Frankfurt's midfield just running up and down and sort of not really knowing where to, you know, whether to push up or, or to sit back and, and getting caught in that gap, basically, where Son and Kane can be, can be so effective. In terms of the group, yeah, I suppose Spurs, I think also the results have kind of been quite kind to them in the sense of, for example, Marseille getting that win in, in sporting um, in Portugal. Sort of, they've kind of found themselves top without really being that, you know, on fire Spurs, to be honest. And it looks like now they'll probably seal their place. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a quite, a, as, as Conte said, a strange, strange match in terms of the flow of it. But the goal from Son was, you know, enough to light, light up any game, really. 50 goal assist combinations for Son and Kane, which seems like quite a lot. They're quite good together, Barry. But I, I, you know, I wonder if we'll be saying at the end of the season, yeah, Spurs have won everything, but I still can't work out if I've enjoyed any of that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they'll win anything personally. Uh, And, and that game's kind of why, like Johnson said, they were probably the better team, but they made life needlessly difficult for themselves. And, uh, better team than Eintracht Frankfurt would have punished them and I suspect that's what will happen some point in the knockout stages but uh, yeah Son and Kane are, are pretty good players yeah I, uh, Brian Hill uh, does look like a beetle and uh, not not a, the animal the, a beetle uh, uh, one of the beetles that is great to I'm a big fan of seeing him sort of run around I mean he should have squared that to Mora when he got the penalty mark but he doesn't look like a Conte player to me of any kind whatsoever, but just a wispy winger who looks like a bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder whether even Conte would struggle to turn him into a wing back. Um, he, he might give it one go, but he's a fun footballer. Uh, he lack of physicality, I think, is a problem. Um, he gets knocked off the ball, um, you know, far too easily. He, and it's not like a Premier League thing. Even in the Champions League, um, it happens. And uh, you know, he kind of is a head down merchant um, uh, as well, but he's also a really fun um, and infectious player that I think the Spurs fans want to do well. They can see something in there um, and, you know, maybe not as they haven't got that many fun players, I suppose, within the team. And he'd definitely be one. Um, you know, Conte's, I don't think, is a huge fan, but has kind of been left to, to play him sometimes with Kulisevsky. And Mora not fully fit. I think he tries too hard as well. Like when he comes on, he does run around, um, you know, just trying to prove to Conte that he deserves a spot. And, you know, that's probably one of the things that you shouldn't do in a Conte team because he likes everybody to be in certain positions at every single um, time. And, and you know, Brian Hill doesn't 
that doesn't do that. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought he actually, um, you know, when he came on, he was the one that that started to look like the Iron Track Frankfurt were down to ten men. He was the one that was finding the space because for a sort of twenty minute period. Um, I think Tottenham just thought the game was won and Conte thought the game was won. He made um, the substitutions. Uh, the crowd were pretty silent and that they nearly um, sort of slept walked into um, giving away a, a couple of what would have been really costly points. Don't know if you remember, Max, when Spurs were, they free you up at Man City playing against 10 men. In a in a cup tie and they managed to yes, lose that. Yes, John Macken. Like, I think it was, mm. a, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I was watching with him. I was watching with one of my best mates who's a Man City fan. It was absolutely terrible, disastrous <laughs> yeah. evening. So, so, so there, there is a bit of previous for Spurs throwing it away. And Lloris had to make a smart stop right at the end. What would have been a really bad result, you know, in the end. They, they did deserve to win. Andy says Harry Kane missing a penalty against a German team two months before a World Cup foreboding. I mean, more to a more important question than that is, when will he stop taking free kicks? Like, he's a brilliant footballer. Like, there's no doubt he's a brilliant footballer. He's absolutely appalling. Like, he's ne- like literally, it's just like Paul Hawksby and I, whenever he gets a free kick, I get a message from Paul or vice versa. He's obviously a big Spurs fan, the TalkSport presenter, going over the bar or into the wall. It's like a sort of Channel 5 quiz show. Well, it's a, it's a kind of a Roberto Carlos thing where he once scored a brilliant free kick and now insists on taking them all. He scored a very important free kick against Aston Villa when Pochettino's job was supposedly on the line. That took a big deflection um, <laughs> and, and rolled in. And I think that was his first ever free kick um, in the Premier League and he hasn't scored one in that or the Champions League since. I mean, there's no reason why he should be a bad free kick taker no. though. I mean, he hits the ball really cleanly from, you know, that sort of 20 yard um, sort of mark but he's just, you know, you see Song sort of curling them in the top corner for South Korea you, you get those sort of Twitter clips of him or oh, another free kick scored and you do wonder why um, he, he doesn't maybe take more of them um, Eric Dyer's living off he's one against Russia as well from uh, many moons ago so um, yeah since Ericsson left Spurs have, have really struggled in that area oh, I mean to be a, a brilliant free kick taker I think aren't you obliged to stay later after training yes. have a bag with a hundred balls and then summon one of the youth goalkeepers and just practice and practice and practice and practice maybe Harry's not just not putting in the hours in the cliched style the last man on the training ground. I've always wondered if you have two players at a squad who are both the last man on the training ground, then neither of you are ever allowed to leave the training ground. And that then becomes counterproductive eventually if you can't get any sleep because you can't leave the training ground because he hasn't left the training ground. <laughs> um, Marseille won the other game 2-0, Jonathan. I mean, the penalty um, that Marseille got, Ricardo, is it Ascao? He absolutely twatted. So, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anyone kick anyone quite so hard as that. Yeah, he did clatter him and then sort of tried to claim innocence, I think, as well. Like, complete shock in his in his face. I believe it's the first time a French team has won in Portugal in the Champions League. Might need to double-check that, but uh, pretty impressive um, and won't won't please uh, a lot of PSG-affiliated uh, people. The fact that Marseille, their big rivals, have, have got it done um, in Portugal when they haven't. Um, but yeah, Marseille sort of... They look quite good, but it's still not really convincing. There's a, I think the derby is this weekend, um, PSG Marseille, which is a huge match. And Marseille are actually doing quite well this season in the league and have shown little signs of maybe competing. I mean, let's be realistic. It probably not, they're probably not going to win the title, but they're as, they're as sort of close to it as possible. And this is a, it's a massive rivalry, Marseille PSG. Like it's, it's one of those derbies if you ever get a chance to go to it. You, you know, it's, it, 
it's really, really, it's big. So, um, yeah, I think Marseille are ticking on really nicely, even though they've got kind of a, a, a strange mix of like former Premier League um, misfits, Guendouzi, for example, Alexis Sanchez is there. They have sort of drummed together quite a, an entertaining team and they're doing pretty well. So, yeah, that and also that kind of goes back to what I said about Spurs. Like it was an unexpected result and that kind of gives Spurs that, that um, leverage at the top of the table. So it's a weird group, really. I, I don't really know who's going to qualify from it, um, but Marseille are looking sort of quite good. Yeah, uh, the PSG Marseille on Sunday. Yeah, so Spurs top the group on seven. Marseille Sporting both have six. Eintracht Frankfurt have four. So still all to play for. Uh, Atletico nil, Club Bruges nil. Simon Minile made nine saves in this game, including one right on the face from Alvaro <laughs> Morata <laughs> shortly before the end. Four games, four clean sheets for Minile. Club Bruges sit top of the group, undefeated, through to the knockout stages. Mark, this is an incredible achievement, isn't it? it yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. I think in in recent years they've they've shown up okay in in the Champions League. Probably done uh, played better than some of their results. Um, you know, and they've been in some some hard groups. So this maybe was just a little drop down in quality for them, and that they've um, performed really well um, in it. And you know, this game in the I suppose last sort of second second half they were it was back to the walls. Uh, you know, kind of defending for them. Um, but we haven't seen that for most of the, the tournament so far from Club Bruges. They, they've they've played some really nice football, particularly on um, the counter attack, and they they fully deserve to be top of this group. Carl Hopkins, um, you know, the, it's sort of journeyman um, player, knocked around the what what's now the EFL. Um, you know, just doing a, a, a fantastic job with a, a group of players. That I don't think many people expected he you know to, to to come out in the top two from this this, this section. I think in terms of Atletico, though, I mean that their um, position is looking dodgy now um, in the group. Yeah, you know, Diego Simeone is the highest-paid coach in the world. I think he's now got players that should just be playing better football than, than than what they are. You know, when he was winning as an underdog and beat a brilliant Barcelona team, a great Real Madrid side to the title, he maybe had to do it in a certain way given their resources. But it's not like that anymore. He's got a hundred million pound player in Jao Felix that he didn't even bring on. He brought on Axel Witzel with a game nil-nil and them needing a goal with 10 minutes left. Felix um, chucked his bib on, on the floor. He was he was really unhappy. You know, Morata, that, that, that miss late on, you know, the amount of times he misses sort of in big moments, it can't just be coincidence. You know, when you see kind of like Lewandowski's finishes, for instance, and then you see Morata in, in similar clutch moments just not be able to, to deliver, I think that's just always going to be, um, you know, Maratta um, sort of career, I suppose. But I'm just really disappointed with Atletico, and I I think that they should be doing more. We know they won't. It's just you know, Simeone's not going to change now. But sound like a you sound like a sad teacher or parent with athletes <laughs> sitting yeah. athletic. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, but you, if you look at the, I mean, I'm I'm sure if Shell Felix played for a more um, expressive team, even if it was somebody like Napoli. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be Manchester City. I think you would see just a wonderful player and um, you're just not getting the best out of somebody like him, but there are others as well. Um, yeah, um, I hope they go out. But they've got Porto on match day six that could be the game that, that decides who goes through with, with Club Bruges. And, I mean, Porto and Atletico have already been involved in some... That's going to be so good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You always you just can't wait for the four red cards and last minute winner for Atletico, I assume. 
Is Pepe at Porto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's still oh, there. brilliant. <laughs> That's tremendous news, isn't it? Like, so Bruges at uh, the top of the group. They're through. So Porto have got six points. Atleti four, Leverkusen three, because Porto won 3-0. Uh, in Leverkusen, now managed by Xabi Alonso. I, I wonder, I don't know what you think, Jonathan, just part of me feels Atleti will somehow shithouse their way through this group, but maybe I'm not giving Porto the credit I should. Porto haven't, they haven't been, they haven't been firing on all cylinders in, in the league this season. So, yes, it's a difficult, I, th- I think you're probably, your instinct probably is right there, Max. Like, they, they might just sneak their way through somehow, Atleti, but I think there will be fireworks in, the, in, in their last two games, like you said, in terms of red cards and a lot of anger if they don't manage to make it. Um, Bruges, this is the first time in their history they've made it to the last 16 and also that's only the second uh, ever Belgian side to make it which I, I was quite surprised about Ghent I think being in the others and they haven't even conceded they haven't conceded a goal yet either so Simon Mignolet is obviously doing doing something right the former former Liverpool goalkeeper yeah I agree I kind of agree with Mark to be honest on, on Atleti they just they were kind of described a little bit as like turgid weren't they and a little bit kind of negative and they've almost become like a caricature of that if that makes sense like before it was effective and worked and you, you, there was a counterpoint to it. Now it almost seems like it's doing it for the sake of doing it. Uh, so I feel like they might just scrape through, but not not convinced by them at all, If they even if they were to make it. All right, that'll do for part two. Part three, we'll do a little Premier League preview. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, so Premier League this weekend and obviously Liverpool Man City on Super Sunday is a it's a massive game. Uh, for the neutral, Barry, you sort of want Liverpool to win, don't you? Just someone to stop Man City. Mm. No? <laughs> I'm, you don't have yeah, to. I'm not sure if I do. Um uh, I I just want to be a very good game. I, I think there's every chance Liverpool might win. They might get hammered. And and that's the beauty of it. We don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm not so sure I want someone to stop Man City. Really? I mean, Arsenal Arsenal might stop them anyway. Well, that is um, true. You know, they go so. to Leeds, actually. I, I, I don't know. I I'd still... I look at Arsenal like last year's Arsenal or three years ago Arsenal. I don't look at Arsenal as a team that have won what all but one game this season and they go to Leeds and the way they're playing you you have to suggest they will win that game yeah yeah I, I mean I think for Arsenal sort of this 11 with the confidence they're in will expect to to go to Ellen Road um, be able to play through the Leeds press as they have done um, you know uh, uh, many times already this season they look good in progressing the ball forward creating opportunities I think the the big test for Arsenal will come. I know it's not about now who, who they're playing. It's just can they deal with injuries when they crop up? Because I think their starting eleven, you know, does look very exciting. The drop off from Jesus to whoever comes in and plays up front is is pretty big. And then even at centre back, you know, the the Saliba and Gabriel have built up a, a really nice partnership. Partey and and Xhaka and Odegaard in midfield. Again, there's a drop off there. So I think in terms of their eleven. 
they will, you know, they'll definitely expect to win at Ellen Road. It it becomes, you know, if they if they do end up with three injuries, like how how do they cope with that? Whereas you know, you look at that City team and you know that they can. Um, I, I suppose I'm not sure if Arsenal could cope with, you know, a, a significant absentee list. Um, other games of. Yeah, it's quite an interesting fixture. Actually, Manchester United Newcastle feels like quite an interesting game, Jonathan. Yeah, Newcastle uh, looking quite good. Obviously, uh, Bruno Guimaraes is, is is doing really is, is performing really well in midfield. United still, well, Manchester United still not really um, kind of firing on all cylinders. There, I think I think Ten Hag is starting to sort them out slowly, and he is starting to figure out who he likes and, and doesn't like. But there's obviously it's going to take a lot of time and um, I think Newcastle would probably feel quite confident going there, to be honest, of, of perhaps getting a result. Um, in terms of the Liverpool City game, obviously it was interesting to see Pep rest, obviously, Haaland, whereas I think Klopp tried to maybe rest Salah and then sort of decided, well, let's let's bring him on. But maybe the confidence from that hat-trick will, will, will do, him, do him a lot of good. Um, City, it's tough to see. Like They don't re- usually do too well at Anfield. They tend to sort of maybe miss a penalty here or there or don't take their chances and it you know it's only in that COVID season isn't it where it clicked and they and they sort of battered them I think it was 4-1 four, four um, so it'll be, I think that'll be a, I think that's going to be a really really good game to be honest and uh, there's the prospect of, of Liverpool maybe getting hammered if they don't sort of turn up so yeah that I think that's the game of the week uh, yeah, I look, we'll obviously look back at all the games uh, on Monday. Uh, Alan says, how big of a shame is it that Ireland's women reaching the World Cup for the first time ever has been overshadowed by an ill-thought song choice? Uh, some fella says, any of the pod want to teach Sky Sports the history of British imperialism? And Mark says, I'm a proud Paddy. Can you ask Barry how he feels about our super women being forced to apologise about singing a rebel song in the dressing rooms after securing their place in their first World Cup? I've never supported armed struggle, but in moments of joy, drunkenness, I've sung this song. Yeah, this is obviously a reference to the Irish women's post-match dressing room celebration in which they were captured on video singing uh, an old rebel song by the Wolf Tones, uh, an Irish band, uh, the chorus of which is, Ooh, ah, up the Ra, uh, the IRA, the Ra being the IRA. And uh, because the Irish... it, it caused controversy, and I, I don't think personally there's any need for them to sing that song. I think all that you know just and and specifically because most of those girls are of an age where they wouldn't probably have had no experience of of the some of the damage the IRA have done in Ireland but um because they're I suspect because they're sponsored by Sky Sky had a bit of a panic and uh Chloe Mustaki one of the players was hauled before the cameras to uh, apologise, which she did by Sky Sports news presenter Rob Watton. Uh, she said they were embarrassed, and that's fine. It seemed a pretty genuine apology. And then Rob sort of said, does this highlight the need for education on these issues? And I think that's when everyone in Ireland sort of went, you know, come on, Rob, because uh, it sounded incredibly condescending. Uh, not least because in a few weeks Rob will be, along with all his colleagues, will be wearing a puppy. And I suspect he may need an education in what that has come to represent. And I can't stress enough, I have absolutely no beef with Rob Watton whatsoever. By all accounts, he's a really nice guy. But my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that in the English or British school syllabus, 
in history you kind of you learn about the battle of hastings and world war one and world war two and the small matter of british colonialism and uh, genocide and imperialism tends to be overlooked so you don't learn about various atrocities visited upon the people of argentina malaysia africa india ireland iraq uh, you don't learn about slave trading that is my understanding whereas in ireland we get a very thorough grounding in british imperialism and colonialism and uh what why the ira was founded in the first place back in i think it was 1917 you know, if if you are going to bully countries, they they will fight back. That's interesting. I, look, I, I don't know what we can go to Jonathan on what they teach in schools, sort of more recently than, than when I was at school. But you're right. Until I went, I did modern history and actually specialised in colonialism and nationalism, and realised that I hadn't taught, been taught any of that until perhaps A level history. And like, how many people do A level history? Right, you just don't know a, a, any of that. My son is uh, 13. He is learning. Um, he is learning. I, not necessarily in terms of Ireland, but in, in terms of um, slavery, you know, that and that is actually something he's been dealing with quite a lot. Um, and that, that is, seems quite engaged in it um, as well. So maybe things are um, changing um, ever so slowly. I think all these British people who are outraged by the Irish women singing rebel songs could be in for a bit of a surprise if they get the English translation of the Irish National Anthem. <laughs> but the one thing I would say is I'm sure Rob Watton just wants an easy life. And uh, I'd say yeah. he's very surprised by the amount of blowback he's got from what he probably thought was a fair enough question. But that blowback would suggest that maybe he also is in need of some education. Yeah. I'd like to be fair to Rob Watton. Like a Sky Sports news shift is about 12 hours long. He's probably just done six hours debating a VAR call, debating for Kyo Tamore and Mason Mount, or just talking about English right backs for hours and hours and hours. And a minute before the end, they went, Oh, look, can you just, oh, we've got a teenager from Ireland. Can you just ask him a, a you know, a serious question? She's in her mid 20s, but um, it, it is, it's disappointing that what should have been the greatest moment in, in those players' careers has been completely overshadowed by this controversy, but it'll blow over, hopefully. On a slight a slight change of tone, a wonderful, uh, from Ireland, uh, a, a tweet from Ards Football Club. I don't know where Ards are, Barry. Where are Ards? Northern Ireland, somewhere. I'm not mm -hmm. sure where. where it, okay. Uh, there are Ards 1. It says, they tweeted, half-time, Ards 1, Glentoran 3. To which the first response was from uh, Dun Murray Wee says, "Folks, I've got stuck in the toilet, but beside the turnstile. <laughs> Could you send a steward? I went to open the door and the handle came off in my hand. Now I'm <laughs> locked in." The following tweet, <laughs> a day later, said, "Are you out yet? No confirmation. So hopefully someone has gone to help that poor person out of the toilet." Jim says, "Is Mark aware of butterboards?" I was introduced to the concept the other day, immediately thought of the man who needed to go about them. This is an article from the Guardian Culture saying, what is a butterboard and how would I even eat that? 1.2 million people follow the recipe creator Justin Doiron. Last month, Doiron took a shot at deposing charcuterie boards from their place on the millennial dinner party throne 
her camera-ready blend of softened butter, herbs, zest and edible flowers managed to hit its target. In, since she posted the short video, the hashtag, hashtag butterboard has racked up 180 million views as thousands of people have attempted their own. And essentially, uh, uh, search interest in butterboards has gone from naught to 100%. Um, basically, you scoop butter up with a knife and smear it on your bread. I mean, that's sort of like just spreading butter on bread, isn't it? It doesn't seem that new. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it? Like, it feels like a normal <laughs> thing to do. With butter, you don't yeah. even need the bread. You could just have butter as like the base from anything else. But, uh, you know, are you into butter boards? Um, you know, not, not butter. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to sort of, Cheese sure. boards, so why not butter boards as well? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know anything about it, and I do spend a reasonable amount of time on Guardian, the um, sort of the culture and lifestyle section. So I'm surprised I've missed it, but um, I, I certainly did. So um, thanks very much to that uh, tweeter because um, I'll be straight on that after this. And it's making me hungry. I've not had any breakfast yet. Butterboarding does sound like the worst kind of torture. <laughs> anyway, Fraser says, how much will a fortnight for disaffected dads at Casa del Glendening cost? Is there a complimentary breakfast? <laughs> this is after the last pod where Barry announced that basically men who have acted terribly in their relationships, he offers them two weeks room, two weeks board and lodging. I, I wouldn't say I offer them. It's not a service. It's not like some form of rehab. <laughs> It just it has. I have been known to get a knock on the door, <laughs> and upon opening it, there might be like a sheepish gentleman pulling a small case. Uh, <laughs> Do you offer food? Um, yes. Yeah, the fridge is yeah, open, I, right? You know, it's it's more or less self service. Okay, I understand. Uh, you know, you know, you're just not. How would you like your eggs in the morning? It's not not, not that. No, long, no, no. They don't. They don't leave like a a card <laughs> hanging from the door handle. David says finally an email. Hi, hi guys. Hope all is well with you. Thanks for all your efforts in pumping out the pods. I've just caught up with the chat about the listener wanting a playlist for the birth of his child. A slight tangent from that, but one with a football theme involves the birth of my third child. My wife and I had decided on having a home birth, very new age and guardian-y, I'm sure you'll agree. And as luck would have it, her waters broke on the 31st of August, 2017. This worked out wonderfully for me, as while she was building up to the big event, I was able to keep an eye on the breaking transfers occurring on deadline day via Sky Sports News. <laughs> as the transfer window slammed shut... My wife's Bombay doors swung open and we welcomed our son into the world. After the initial euphoria relief, the most prominent memory in my mind is of realising the TV had been left on. In the background, what I could hear was Wilfred Boney singing his Come on, Wilfred Boney, he's going to score a goal for Swansea song as it was announced with said video after he had re-signed for Swansea. Five years on, I'm happy to report that little Wilfred is doing well. <laughs> Certainly better than big Wilfred did in his second stint with Swansea. All the best, David. Thank you, David. That was a lovely email. Oh, worth saying that we've got so many, since we read out that lovely email last week from Noah McMillan's brother, we've had so many incredibly moving emails. It's very hard to read all of them out. If we don't read it out, it doesn't mean that we don't find it uh, important. And we've, we really appreciate everyone getting in touch. And by all means, you can drop us an email at footballweekly at theguardian.com. And that'll do for today's pod. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Max. Uh, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Max. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. You just left me wondering if that baby had a yellow tie, you know, at any point. After, <laughs> yeah, after just the came out so, with yeah. a yellow tie. <laughs> I'm hearing. Uh, <laughs> Football Weekly is produced by Joel Grove with Silas Gray, executive produced by Daniel Stevens. We'll be back on Monday. 
This is The Guardian.